The war is over. At least that's what I keep telling myself. I may find it necessary to have my ship assume the job of taking this station apart. This is my station. I don't take orders here. Diplomacy, Commander? Sounds like war drums to me. Say naan tastes like? Yeah, chicken. Man, I really need a vacation. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watch cast by a couple of new friends who are getting to know each other over their favorite show, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today I get to ask Jafer, do you want to take a quiz? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we found this cool quiz that actually is right up our alley because it's called yeah. who are you from babylon five based on your food preferences they named the quiz after our podcast clearly that's a hundred percent what happened i will not be deluded otherwise mm -hmm. we're gonna take this quiz right now neither of us have taken this quiz yet we're gonna nope. take it i hope we get the same questions in the same order because i want to talk about them mm -hmm. and then it's going to tell us what characters we are so i'm okay. hitting start what is your go-to veggie so we've got choices, Brussels sprouts, tomatoes, or are fries a vegetable? <laughs> um, well, yes, potatoes are a vegetable. Correct, yes. Uh, um, tomatoes, on the other hand, is debatable, right? I believe tomatoes are a fruit. Yeah, that's... Technically that was... speaking. Regardless, my answer is a Brussels sprouts, which is legitimately my go-to vegetable. Okay. I have them in my freezer all the time. I will cut them in half, I'll steam them, and then I'll broil them for like five minutes with some balsamic vinegar and salt mm -hmm. perfect yeah you know i actually choose brussels sprouts as well i had some really rocking brussels sprouts over the weekend at a steakhouse mm -hmm. that were like honey bacon brussels mm -hmm. sprouts roasted mm -hmm. oh my god so good yes the, <laughs> the bacon on them with the balsamic i've been told is excellent as well all right question two what is your favorite soup broccoli cheddar clam chowder or chicken noodle I'm going to go with the clam chowder on this one. Yeah. My, yeah. my go-to soup is chicken lemon rice. That's not a choice. I know. And then <laughs> like pho and a bunch of other like. Okay. Well, that's I've... a noodle soup, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Of these soups, chicken noodle is probably the closest to what I would regularly consume. Mm -hmm. But I don't really have chicken noodle ever. I'd probably take a broccoli cheddar out of these three. Yeah. I can see that. I'd really prefer chili. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> is chili a soup? I mean, I guess. Eh, it can be. <laughs> it's either that or it's a stew. Take your pick. Mm, What's the That's difference? a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. Pick a sandwich base. PB&J, roast beef, or turkey? This mm. one's easy for me. Roast beef, horseradish, cheddar. Mm, okay. Doesn't get better. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm a turkey, I think, because I'm a turkey bacon avocado. You know, okay. maybe, maybe some pepper jack. And a turkey, like, mm. yeah. Well, that's a fortuitous choice given which cheese is your favorite is our next question. <gasps> oh my God, there's so many though. Pepper Jack, mozzarella, provolone or what we were presented with. Uh, of these three, provolone for me, 100%. Yeah, the, these three are kind of the most boring cheeses for me. Like, Have you ever had sharp provolone? I don't know. I don't think I've had sharp provolone. Oh, sharp provolone is so good. Mm, okay. That's a... Okay. I do like sharp flavors. I, I am a blue cheese all the way. 
Like I love me okay. a blue cheese. I love me a goat cheese. Referencing our aforementioned in-person hang that we're starting to possibly figure out and plan. Mm-hmm. I will visit my cheesemonger in the Northern Michigan who literally owns a cave where he ages all of his own cheeses. Oh yeah. And I'll get you like a 21 year pin conning cheddar. Oh my God. Oh, if you like those sharp cheeses. I'm looking forward, for a treat. forward to this charcuterie. Uh, I guess I will have to go with provolone as well, because I mean, that's, that's just not an extensive enough list for me, but. Fair enough. This is not the podcast people were expecting today. I know, right? <laughs> They're getting to know us real well. Right. Which exotic fruit would you most like to try? I've tried all of these. I have two. Okay. Lychee is probably of the three, the one I consume most often because I love bubble tea mm-hmm. and I'll Me get too. it and I'll get lychee bubble tea, but I will go ahead and pick star fruit because it's an excuse to talk about some of my brewing. I made a mandarin orange and star fruit mead a uh-huh. number of years ago. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. It's part of my David Bowie themed meads that I've made. Oh, nice. Yeah. I see uh, where that comes from. Yeah. Dear, yeah. dear listener. Uh, for those who don't know me, I do have a David Bowie tattoo. I'm a big David Bowie fan. I went saw his exhibit in Brooklyn um, and a couple of years ago. David Bowie is big, big fan. I've done yeah. a number of David Bowie meads. Spiced Oddity is a spiced mead I made. Apples mm-hmm. to Ashes is a apple mead I've made. Mm-hmm. Um, Hello Space Brittle is a peanut butter brittle mead. And those three songs are the three major Tom songs. So yeah. that's why um, I like that. Uh, the aforementioned mean, uh, the star fruit mandarin orange was star mandarin. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy my David Bowie, I enjoy my meads, and I enjoy my star fruit. So that's what I'm picking here. <laughs> okay, so you're picking the star fruit. The other choice we have of the three is dragon fruit, which uh, I just feel like dragon fruit kind of tastes like a, a flavorless kiwi. It's fun and interesting. Yeah. But it's not got a lot of flavor. So I'm going to go with the lychee. That's okay. my favorite. Yeah. Dragon fruit is cool looking and that's what it has going yes. for it. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Ice cream flavor is your go-to. Lemon sorbet, cookies and cream, and chocolate. It is a goddamn crime that mint chocolate chip is not on here. Agreed 100%. Mint chocolate chip is the best ice cream ever. <laughs> but of these three, I'm going to take lemon sorbet because that has come on the back up. I do love a good lemon ice okay okay i'm gonna go with the cookies and cream i think i had this cookies and cream style kind of basically a style ice cream that was at (laughs) um new orleans creole creamery that they do oreo cookie pieces in it Mm -hmm. and cinnamon raisin uh, and uh chocolate chip cookie i'm here for that yeah it's that's a really good one that's got like three different kinds of cookie okay now we got to pick a snack to eat while we binge watch TV. Babylon 5, of course. We have Doritos, popcorn, and potato chips. Of these, popcorn is the one I'm most likely to go for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm popcorn too. Like, I can, I can go to town on some potato chips, but again, like, mm-hmm. I prefer to get, like, kettle cooked and, like, yeah. I like weird flavored potato chips. So. Aldi has a balsamic mm-hmm. vinegar rosemary kettle chip right now. You know I bought that. <laughs> yeah, that's the good shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have what leafy green is best in salads next? Spinach, kale, or lettuce? All of them? 
Yeah, I like a healthy mix. But if I'm eating a salad that is just one of these, it's going to be spinach. Yeah, me too. Because kale can be a lot of kale Mm -hmm. if your salad is just kale. I hate just an iceberg lettuce salad. Like that's the iceberg wedge salad is the worst idea in culinary history. Yeah, it's it's awkward to eat. <laughs> it doesn't it's not good. It doesn't right. even hold dressing well. It's just it's not good. It's not a good idea. It's super lazy. Yeah, agree. The guys of decorating. It just get it away from me. What is my most ordered pizza topping is the next question. We have cheese, pepperoni and mushroom. This this quiz is very narrow. <laughs> it is. This is pepperoni for me for sure, just generally speaking. My favorite pizza is uh, pepperoni, pineapple, and jalapeno pepper. Yeah, I'm That's I'm with one. that. Yeah, some onion sometimes. Uh, pineapple, black olive is one that I order a handful of times, but never mushrooms because I am super allergic to mushrooms. Oh well, I would probably go with mushrooms actually because I love yeah. mushrooms. I'm sorry, you're super allergic to them. That sounds sad. <laughs> I love earthy tasting things uh-huh. if I can't get enough of them and it's just like I've had people just tell me like they weep for my inability to eat mushrooms because they know that I will love that flavor yeah but I can't I have a really 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 bad day yeah don't do that that would be bad well can you eat this next thing on the list it's asking us which is the most berrylicious strawberry blueberry or blackberry and again it is a crime that the raspberry is not on this list. I have I've gone on record of saying, why on earth would you ever eat a blueberry when blackberries and raspberries exist? <laughs> yeah. But I, of these three, I'm going to take blackberries because strawberries just taste like sugar. They're great, <laughs> but they're not very delicious. I don't know. I, I understand that you have to get a really good strawberry to mm. really enjoy strawberries. I think like, like most of the strawberries you just get at the supermarket. Yeah. They just taste like sugar to me. Yeah, Like you have to, they have to be in season or you have to get some that you've grown or something. I'm going to go with strawberries okay. on this one, just because again, raspberry is not a choice. All right. Next question is what type of noodle is your favorite? Penne, bow tie, or tortellini? I got to go with bow ties because they're fancy. Bow ties are fancy. I'm a tortellini guy. Mm, now we're going to get specific on the popcorn. What popcorn flavor is the best? Butter, kettle, or cheddar? Kettle, I don't, kettle corn is just more sugar. I don't, I'm going to go with cheddar. I think the real answer is butter and paprika and garlic, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Okay, well, I think I got to be true to myself and go with kettle corn. I love me the sweet and salty. You do, go for it. Mm -hmm. What sweet treat are you most likely to crave? Twix, Snickers, or Reese's? Twix for me, hands down. I actually don't like Snickers. I'm like the only person on the planet who doesn't like Snickers. I I, I hate Snickers. Uh, I'll eat like the Snickers almond, but regular Snickers, no. Yeah. Um, Reese's, their peanut butter is too gritty, but I'm not real. Yeah, I'm going to go with Twix. Like, I don't like a lot of caramel, but I like the cookie in the Twix. And you get two. Yeah, you get two. Right? It's great. Uh, what do you use to scoop hummus, pretzel chips, carrots, or I don't eat hummus? How is pita not an answer? Like, the other ones right. I can forgive, but but missing pita here is the equivalent of missing cheese on the pizza toppings. Yeah. This is weird. It's a crime. 
but carrots are really good in hummus. Yeah, if pita's not an option, I got to go with carrots. Okay, which grain do you eat the most? Pasta, rice, or quinoa? Rice. Yeah, I'm a rice. Quinoa's good, but it's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. And pasta, ever since I learned to make my own pasta, I don't buy store-bought pasta because it tastes so inferior. But I also have now come to the impasse where I'm too lazy to make pasta most of the time. So I just don't eat a lot of pasta anymore. Yep. That's the inevitable problem, right? Yep. What taco protein is your favorite next? Okay. And we've got carnitas, beans, and asada. Uh, of those three, I'm going to pick asada. Same. Yeah. Barbacoa is the correct answer. <laughs> I usually go for like shrimp tacos, but I mean, okay. it's fine. The best type of chocolate is dark chocolate, milk chocolate, or white chocolate. It is not white chocolate, my friends. It is <laughs> not. I Listen, mil- dark chocolate, milk chocolate, each their own. White mm-hmm. chocolate is the best chocolate. I am judging you. Mm-hmm. White chocolate yep. is strictly the purview of bakers making cake look like other things. Yes. Yes. I, I am the dark chocolate. 100% That's my the same. Yeah. I love the like 85, 90% dark chocolates just. That's mm-hmm. the good stuff. Yeah. Give me all that bitter. Which bakery item is the best? A donut, cinnamon roll, or a bagel? I have to, I'm more likely to order a bagel than any of the other ones here. To really? Be perfectly okay. honest. A, a bagel with some Asiago cheese, toasted, some cream cheese with garlic, herb. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I'm a donut. I'm going to get the donuts anytime. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. It's our moment of truth. Yep. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? It doesn't give any justification at all. No, it, it just, doesn't. This gives you the character. I got Jakar. Oh, interesting. Well, we know that he's an adventurous foodie because mm-hmm. we saw his boar's head and his crawfish. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. It gave me Veer. Yeah. I'm Veer Koto. So I'm, I mean, as far as foods go, Veer probably knows what up. So yeah, I would trust Veer. If I if I worked with someone like Veer, mm-hmm. I would ask Veer where to eat around work on my first day. Yeah, yeah, I would trust him with that. Like, because yeah. you know the Centauri aren't going to eat crap. Yeah, it might have a lot of butter in it. Yeah, uh, Veer Veer has an air about him where he knows the best place to eat, mm-hmm. and as someone who has that air about him uh is a portly gentleman uh, <laughs> i i understand and recognize and respect that air a great deal game recognize game exactly <laughs> and you know he's of the centauri that we know we only know the two of them he's the more mm-hmm. like into other cultures yes so he's probably going to the good middle eastern restaurant and stuff exactly so, lando's yeah. going to take you to the strip club steak buffet like, you're not interested in that. <laughs> yeah. So I think we got pretty good choices, really. I'm quite happy with mine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's who uh, we are, guys. Now we did it. And now we know. Mm-hmm. And so we can get into our episode today. Yep. Season one, episode 22, Legacies. Mm-hmm. A little couple notes here before we begin. This is another non-JMS episode. Oh. <laughs> The next one of these is season two, episode four. And then we've mm-hmm. got a string of them. I think we got like six in in a row in season two. 
and oh, then weird. a couple more towards the end of season two. And then all of season three and all of season four are written strictly by JMS. Hmm. All of season five, except for two episodes, are written by JMS. And those are three episodes. One of those was written by Neil Gaiman. Right. And the other two were co-written by Harlan Ellison and John Michael Straczynski. Okay. Okay. So once we get out of that patch in season two, it's all JMS it's all the, the time. JMS show. Yeah. Now, this episode was written by the person who I believe from a quick count has the most Babylon 5 episodes under their belt besides JMS. Okay. Which is DC Fontana. Mm-hmm. Very famous for writing for the original series. Right. Of Star Trek. Right. DC, of course, being a pen name for Dorothy because you couldn't be a sci-fi author. Oh, no, no. Back and be, in TOS days. And be female. That was not yeah. okay. I just want to say, though, to DC that I'm a little disappointed in the lack of corpse shenanigans. We didn't have <laughs> enough shenanigans. We wanted episode. Weekend at Bernie's, and we did yes. not get Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> if, if you were trying to rewrite Weekend at Bernie's, you did not. Yeah. <laughs> so we open on CNC with Sinclair and Garibaldi discussing the imminent arrival of a Midbari war cruiser that is carrying the body of a deceased war hero of the Earth Midbari war. So Garibaldi's uh, especially cynical about this, that they're carrying, sure. carrying this body to be seen around the universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Sinclair's a little bit more just distressed at seeing yeah. a Membari war cruiser again. He has a bit of a uh, war flashback. Mm-hmm. It should look familiar. Yeah. Then we come back to it. We get a scene with Ivanova and Talia who are sitting next to each other at a bar but not next to each other at a bar. Yeah. And Ivanova is suddenly busy. Yeah. Ivanova is real busy all of a sudden. When a young girl steals something and then Talia sees her collapse and she knows that's a mind burst. This girl just became an awakened telepath. Yeah. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. And then we cut back to CNC and we get a bit with the cruiser's gun ports being open as they approach the station. And I'm livid at this point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I know we've already established the Earth Mimbari War started because of a misunderstanding when a Mimbari ship had its gun ports open as mm-hmm. a sign of respect. And the humans took that as a sign of aggression and opened fire. That's canon at this point. You and I know that, but had that come up in the episodes? I, I'm 95% sure it did. Because they've talked about the misunderstanding that started the war a couple of times. Yeah, I, I thought that they've talked about the misunderstanding, but they hadn't put a name on it yet. But I was... Did they, they, did they not name that it was specifically the gun ports being open? I don't think they did yet, which is just bonkers to me that that wouldn't be explained here. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. And even if we as viewers don't know it at this point, that has to be the first thing they teach you. When you're operating the port of a station that Mimbari ships are going to come into. Like, listen, if a gunship shows up, it's going to be like this. Their gun ports will be open, but the weapons won't be charged and they won't have targeting sensors on. Yes. That means it's fine. That has to be the first thing they fucking teach you. Yes. So I wrote because, you know, we get this big dramatic moment. We get the dun dun yeah. dun to theme. And then we get back to CNC and everyone's panicking that these yeah. gun ports are open. Sinclair ready to target He brings up the ship's commander on the TV and he demands to know why the gun ports are open. And the unnamed commander just flatly states he's on a peaceful mission. 
Yeah. Um, then the Len bursts in to tell everyone. Why are you freaking out about this? You should know this by now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's he's not interested in explaining his, his culture to Sinclair. Yeah. yeah. Google it, dude. Like, it should be on the wiki. And Delenn bursts in and tells everyone to do their damn jobs and just keep scanning the ship. And then they'll mm -hmm. see that the weapon systems are not active. And it's like, yes, why didn't, why didn't you do that, Corwin? Like, like <laughs> then this becomes a, the gun ports are open, but they're not doing anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was, I, it, it didn't land for me. But yeah, she does tell same. us this is a symbol of respect for the fallen leader that they're carrying. And then she reminds them that humans have your own traditions to honor fallen leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And Garibaldi lists off a couple of things that we, we, the 20th century audience, will understand. Yeah. And I'll believe those things make it to the future. Yeah. But in like 30 seconds, we get another one of those that I do not believe. Okay. I'm so, like, like my wheels are spinning. Well, we'll just skip ahead super quick. So Delenn explains it's not a big deal. Deal with it. Like the commander will close the gun ports when they're pulled alongside the station because I'll ask him to. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Stop freaking the fuck out. Everybody be cool. You be cool. And they're just like, hey, we're still worried. And then we cut down to Medbay and Talia explains the mind burst, mm -hmm. the latent ability becoming active. And Dr. Franklin compares it to a deaf person hearing a rocket launch. They don't have rockets anymore. How the fuck does he know a rocket launches? Like, I guess you could assume yeah. a rocket launch would be loud, but why would you be referring to a rocket launch? That's like me talking about getting in a car with someone and going, oh, it's like a horse and buggy. I thought that was a nice, funny. And now that you tell me that DC Fontana wrote this episode, that was a very Star Trek thing to do. Well, usually on the show, someone would come up with a complicated plan, then explain it with a simple analogy. Hmm. If we can reroute engine power through the primary weapons and reconfigure them to Melvar's frequency, that should overload his electroquantum structure. Like putting too much air in a balloon. She gives, Talia gives our sci-fi telepathy psychor explanation. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Franklin goes, oh, like a deaf person hearing a rocket ship for the first time. Like, yeah. like, oh, let a me explain this to you. Trek trope for you there. Mm-hmm. Talia says that latent telepaths usually have their talent show up around puberty, and this girl looks the right age for that. But no, she does not to me. <laughs> this girl is clearly late teens, early 20s to me. I, to in my notes, had originally wrote young woman and had to go back and change it to girl. Yeah. Uh, like scribble down, change it to girl. And it's like, oh, she's 14. Can't. OK, change the language here. I don't um, believe that for right. a second. Yeah, I don't. This actress is clearly not 14. I even, you know how I get with these guest stars. I went and Googled this guest star because I was mm -hmm. going to pull up age and be like, looky here. Her age is nowhere on the internet. <laughs> not that I could find. Y'all find it. Yeah. Keanu Reeves style. Yeah, exactly. So Ivanova is insisting to prosecute the uh, young girl for theft mm -hmm. rather than let her go away with the psychor immediately. I wonder why. Yep. <laughs> and then Franklin's like, uh, she's not conscious yet. So nothing's happening until she's healed up. Like, yeah. stop arguing in front of me, please. In case you hadn't noticed, unconscious people are my jurisdiction. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take this sexual tension somewhere else, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this episode is their meet cute. That's that's actually my last note mm -hmm. of of the uh, 
Anyways, we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Garibaldi <laughs> and Sinclair leave CNC. And mm-hmm. Sinclair tells us that Bran Merck, the Minbari who's being honored, commanded the force that wiped out Sinclair's whole squad. And that made me wonder if he was present when Sinclair was captured. He might have been. Good. Just a question for the universe. I didn't bother to look to see if he was on the Great Council. I, I'm thinking not, but I, I would don't think know. not as well, but it, he might have been. Yeah, it's ambiguous. And I, th- yeah. I like it better ambiguous, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't totally want to know. I feel like a lot of the membership of the Great Council isn't decided yet for mm-hmm. JMS. Yeah, that's fine. We can tell that Sinclair still has residual feelings about burying this hatchet. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he says that the war is over, and he seems to really accept that. Yeah, it's going to be important for them to do this just so that both of their species can heal from the war. Mm -hmm. And that's more important. Yeah, and he believes that is more important. For sure. And then we cut to the ceremony. It starts with some drums, and Esteban is playing along. And today, Esteban is here to share with you the gift of guitar. This music needed comment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if that lands for anyone. That might be a really, I don't know if that's a really obscure reference or not. Uh, so we'll see. It's a little obscure for me, but you know, the second it came on, Aaron was like, where are these lutes and drums? Yeah. <laughs> I literally spent like 15 minutes Googling guitar guy from infomercials in nineties with the fingernails <gasps> oh, to find his name. <laughs> I got you now. Now I, yeah, the flamenco. I just needed you to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Don and Sinclair talk that this is unusual for Mimbari for a minute. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this isn't, this isn't standard protocol here. What's going on? This is where you start to see that she's not unhappy with Sinclair. She's yeah. annoyed at something else. For sure. Yeah, she's, she's not fond of this break from tradition. Back at Membe, the young telepath wakes up and is having a rough go. Natalia helps her block out all of the voices. She finds her name and Ivanova finds her file. Her parents are dead, living in down below for a year. This turns around in a few moments though, when she wakes up and says to Ivanova that my mom died young, just like yours. Yeah. And Ivanova is super uncomfortable. She basically just read Ivanova's file from yeah. her brain, but yeah. it's just like the complete turnaround. And Ivanova's like, you can never do that. And it's all like, this is a weird power thing for you right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i mm-hmm. get it the whole connection and stuff but like this is clearly someone who's struggling right now yeah this idea to me is so wild so this kid her mother died when she was young her father mm-hmm. died last year she's been living it down below she's 14 i've had that in quotes since you know the the character is really 14 yeah there was nowhere for this kid to go there's she's nobody's ward well, like, maybe they didn't know. Like, yeah. notably, they didn't have the dad dying on file. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's part of the problem. Like, Child Protective like, Service didn't know to come and grab her and throw her in an orphanage or something. There's got to be a Child Protective Service office on Babylon 5 somewhere, right? Quarter of a million people. Humans yeah. and aliens living together. Yeah. <laughs> Five million tons of steel. Yeah. No, there's got to be. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Oh, there's a spinoff for you running the Child Protective Services. <laughs> I do not want to watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> I've got zero interest in that TV show. Anyways, Talia's like not cool, uh, but she can't help herself. Franklin notes that Ivanova 
caring about petty theft here is pretty bizarre. Yeah. And she's like, well, Psychor's not taking her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay. We get Daerun going to see Sinclair and Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. He states that he will not allow Earth Force guards over Brandner's body. Yep. Which... Only Minbari soldiers will stand guard. Only Minbari soldiers. And I wanted to pose a question. Yeah. So based on what we know, all of us having watched this whole episode all the way through, right? Based on what we know about Dylan's involvement in the body snatching, do you think she was relieved that Nehrun insisted on only Minbari guards? Do you think she likely. would have yeah. tried this if it had been Garibaldi's people? In maybe the... not. Yeah. Maybe maybe would have had to have done it differently. Yeah. She would have tried something else. I don't yeah. think she would have tried this. Yeah, I agree. Now, they're kind of incensed by this, Garibaldi and Sinclair. This makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, okay. Like, it didn't make like sense if Colin Powell's body was touring Iraq or something, mm-hmm. U.S. soldiers are going to stand guard over it. Like, Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, why are why is Garibaldi so mad that it's not yeah. going to be his people? Like, of course yeah. it's going to be the Mimbari. This is their person. Yeah, like, it just it made sense make to sense. me. Yeah. That's not the worst of it, though. The worst of it comes in another couple of minutes here. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, the plot completely loses me very soon i think we get lost at the same spot go ahead and tell me what yours is so the viewing ceremony begins only to find out the body is missing in a commercial and we come back to threats of war and this is where the plot goes out the window for me Uh uh-huh so babylon five staff wasn't good enough to guard the body Uh and they didn't Uh but it's their fault and it's station security's fault the body is missing Uh one (laughs) two the station wasn't trusted enough to guard the body, but they're trusted to run the investigation. Uh-huh. Three, we're already blaming you and holding you responsible for this happening, but we're going to mm-hmm. trust the results of the aforementioned investigation where some, for some reason deciding you get to conduct. Yeah. <laughs> big jumps here, Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. These are some big jumps for me too. This completely derails any thought like this makes Narun the number one suspect for me yeah to be perfectly honest right because he was like it has to be my guards because it's so irrational so out of character yeah yeah and and for me like a lot of characters do things here that aren't in their character because Narun tells Sinclair you know these are my requirements and Sinclair suddenly you know our our diplomatic reasonable amiable dad Sinclair gets i don't take orders on my own station and it's like no yeah. you know what diplomacy is he says it a few times like a this bunch, is this diplomacy episode. and suddenly he but he gets mad at this moment because we need Nehrun to try to to rub the battle of the line in his face yeah. not because that's what sinclair would actually do mm-hmm. exactly after all this ivanova comes to talk to sinclair uh, she wants to buy time to figure out a new path forward without Psychor for this young telepath. Sinclair says he trusts her judgment and he'll back her decision. Just do what you think right, is right. Which I think is very Sinclair. That is our, that is our dad right there. Mm-hmm. But 100%. again, like you, I had a little list here and I was like, okay, so if a telepath's choices are one, we join Psychor, or two, we go to jail, or three, we take the drugs. How is Psychor going to be okay with Ivanova just sending her somewhere else? Like, how is that not illegal? How is that not an accessory to a crime? I think it has to an issue of jurisdiction because I think Psychor is not part of the military, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's why psychops are such okay. a thing. Because they're and psychor is not allowed to be in the military very specifically. So you think Earth Force gets to kind of well, it's because they're not on Earth. They're not on an Earth colony. Yeah. Babylon yeah. 5 is notably not an Earth colony. Yeah. That's why the military showing up there and forces a staging area was such a big deal. Right. Okay. Like 10 episodes ago. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know. It feels like we're doing a crime, right? If telepaths have to go to jail, if they don't go to Psychor. I think if this was on Mars or on Earth, it, 100% it is a crime. would be. Yeah. But I think because it's Babylon 5, the jurisdiction's a little different and it's a little wonky. We can kind of write that one off. It's just yeah. not super clear. That's fair. <laughs> Okay, so Sinclair goes to question Delenn. Yep, they're playing Cones of Doneshire. Are the cones a metaphor? Well, yes and no. And Delenn yes. reveals that Bronmer <laughs> was a priest in the religious cast initially. So I made that joke last time Delenn had this play set out. Uh -huh. And I was taking my notes for this episode. My roommate walked by and goes, oh, is, is she playing Cones of Doneshire? Uh -huh. And he hasn't watched an episode before and he hasn't listened to the podcast. And I'm just all like, I made a good joke before. <laughs> <laughs> it really lands every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Delenn reveals Bronmer was a priest in the religious caste initially before he became a military leader because the war against Earth was considered a holy war. He surrendered when the religious caste decided to end the war, but he did so reluctantly. And then we get Ohay Natoth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Garibaldi goes to question Natoth because we haven't seen her in a while. And I guess probably mm -hmm. Andreas had somewhere else to be. <laughs> and Peter Jurassic, neither of them are in this episode. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. And you think they'd at least be at like the viewing of the body. Mm -hmm. But yeah, nowhere it to be seen. It would have been nice if we'd gotten Veer too, if he had had time to go in and question Veer. So Garibaldi's pestering her. He's saying that, you know, oh, mm -hmm. well, this might be something Narn wanted to do to make us look bad. And Natas is like, no way. That's lame. <laughs> Maybe you should go check the alien sector and see if anyone was jonesing for a delicious, important, revered snack. <laughs> and Garibaldi remembers that there are people that eat dead bodies on the station. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Talia is showering young telepath in gifts, which is totally not a cult thing to do. Yeah, she's buttering her up with clothes and shoes. Let's get some shifts. Let's get some shifts. The core takes care of all of its members. <laughs> then Ivanova's just like, sure does, don't they? Death glare. <laughs> Talia leaves and Ivanova gets to tell Elisa her tragic backstory. Mm -hmm. And she tells Elisa and she understands and accepts it with the plausibility of someone who's actively reading someone else's mind passively and knows they really mean what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. For someone who uh, was told, don't do that. We sure do that a lot in this episode. Yep. Anyways, she tells Elisa to hold on and that there are going to be more options for her than she realizes. Garibaldi goes before Narun to eat a little shit. A guard comes up with a piece of the burial robes fanned outside the Pakmaras quarters. Okay, so did Delenn frame the Pakmaras? That's what I want to know. Right? Where did this come from? Because exactly. this makes no sense. Because we know Delenn is more careful than that. It must have been so knowing the plot of this episode, knowing the body is cremated. Mm-hmm. At this point. Yeah. Uh, that would explain why it was. I think they mentioned it was burnt. Oh, did they? Mm. Yeah. They're like, it's damaged. The, oh, okay. the piece of the robes. Yeah. So maybe it's just that's where nearby where the cremation was. It happened to be. And it makes sense that the Pacmaro would probably kind of hang out around the morgue. <laughs> <laughs> 
No one claimed came for this body. No one claimed it. Mm. Sup, you know, like <laughs> saying, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't weird me out. I'm an organ donor. So. Yeah. Yeah, I am too, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to donate it for somebody to eat. <laughs> I'm going to go on record right now on this podcast. For all my friends, I know I've got friends who want to try human and don't want to like, I know I've got some friends that they're not really interested in going full cannibal, but they're curious. Cannibal curious. <laughs> you know what? I'm dead. Go for it. Yeah. Just saying. Well, not going to bother me none. In fact, I believe um, <laughs> I, I actually, I bring this up later when they talk about burying a friend and knowing their wishes. Uh-huh. I have a specific thing for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, let's um, get ourselves there. But first, we'll you know, when, there. do you know what Narn tastes like? <laughs> Did you catch that joke? <laughs> Chicken. Oh, that's such a 90s joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garibaldi confronts the Pachmara. Mm-hmm. They're uncooperative. So we're going to have every Pachmara on the station's stomach pumped. Just wild. This universe is wild. Crazy, right? Right. What are they? Uh, uh, <laughs> in the B-plot, <laughs> Natoth is trying to convince Elisa to come to Narn, which mm-hmm. if we all just flash back to the gathering for a moment, is horrifying conscious or unconscious yeah they've toned Whoa. it down a little now and Thank the talks god the doc says all Ugh. she wants is a sample of blood and tissue twice a month instead of mm-hmm. making her their own telepath personal breeder <laughs> yep but i'm glad to hear that apparently lita named and shamed jakar for this creepy behavior because ivanova acknowledges it yeah didn't you try this last time <laughs> fuck off yeah uh, Elisa doesn't seem keen on the idea of going to Narn after she peeks no. into Toth's head because yep. she was told not to do that. Yep. And she's told it's very cold. Mm. The alien mind is very cold. Yeah. Which is something we've heard a couple of times now. And uh, Ivanova is giving Natoth shit and she's all like, what are you going to do? Check her teeth. And Toth's just like, good idea. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to Garibaldi bossing people around in the hallway. Franklin arrives and tells him the results of the Pachmara stomach pump. And unfortunately, they are not guilty of eating the Membari war hero. Next time you can do the stomach pumping of a Pachmara, had to burn two lab coats, forget ever getting the smell out of them. One other question I had since we keep pulling, mm-hmm. pulling up holes. Why haven't we heard anything about the state of the guards? You know, the guards that Nehrun insisted be Membari? No one has yeah. said anything about like the guards were knocked out or they don't remember anything or, you know, maybe the body was alone for, you know, this hour or something. Yeah. None of that is mentioned, which for no. me, me would have. Giant plot hole. You know, it's just, just one line, man. Narun goes on about how useless Garibaldi is at no point insists on taking on or having his own investigation. <laughs> just like, come on. He just cute. He just wants to threaten. Uh, well, scratch that. Because he says he doesn't make threats. He mm-hmm. wants to promise some light war if this body yeah, is Yeah, just some minor warring. Yeah. How we do. Ivanova and Talia verbally spar again, and Elisa is sick of it. Uh, they haven't even bothered to ask her what she wants, which is to know all of her options. Ivanova notes there's one they haven't explored yet and brings her to Delen. Delen talks about how Mimbari society takes care of their telepaths. When she sees something, which she doesn't know what it is, but as the audience, we can recognize it's two Mimbari wearing religious cast garb that kind of matches the lens, taking Branmer's body. And zapping people. Zapping people with the rings. You think those are the gravity Don't. rings from the pilot? I didn't catch that they were rings. It's totally the rings. They put their oh, hands out man. to totally ring things, I bet. 
yeah, it's, you can't really tell because what's image fidelity, but yeah, we need more ring based weaponry and stuff. Right. I'm convinced these are Delenn's 10 rings from her run as the Mandarin in the pilot. We thought we'd never see him again. Mm-hmm. Elisa sees this. She tells Ivanova. Ivana tells Garibaldi. Then Sinclair goes to his quarters where he's, uh, they're trashed and he's attacked commercial. Yeah. Uh, we come back and he's fighting the rune uh, who implicates Sinclair because no one would implicate him. That's his sole reason is no one would bother to implicate you. Uh, because you're in charge, so I it must be you. And yeah, punches Sinclair and they fight, and he's searching his courtiers. And Garibaldi's just like, I search these with Delenn, right? <laughs> like, fuck off. Yeah, so Nairun gets escorted out, and Garibaldi mm-hmm. insists that Sinclair talk to Elisa. Uh, Elisa tells him that Delenn knows what happened to the body and she knows where it is. They confront Delenn at Space UPS. Space UPS, Delenn has already <laughs> cremated the body and is sending it back to Mimbar. She says that he was friends with Delenn for a long time. We get some more of the backstory. And this parading around was against his wishes, which brings me to, do you have this deal with any of your friends right now? Like what to do at your funeral? What to do at my funeral? I, I don't. What you want? I, you know, and I, 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 I should be a responsible adult because I do have a child and we should like nail these things out. Right. Yeah, not yet. Get a will. Yeah. 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 Um, I do. Okay. I both, I have this on both ends. I have people who have entrusted their wishes to me. <laughs> and I have some of my wishes that have been entrusted out to others. Now, some of them don't really apply anymore. But at the height of my LARPing career, I was under strict instructions for if my heart is not donated mm-hmm. as an or- organ donor, that it be turned into a jalapeno popper. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Like stuff it with like she, cheese and jalapenos. Yeah. And jalapenos. Yeah, deep fry that shit. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Are you gonna bread it too? Is that does I, that part matter? I, I would leave that to my friend uh Jordan, who I would trust with this discretion. Okay. He's he's the one who's got the orders. Okay. Um, and then I also have orders to play a very specific song that I couldn't remember the name of, but I've got written in a notebook somewhere at one of my other friends' funerals at a very specific time where I have rigged his body like a marionette to pop out of the coffin when it plays. See, I, I love it when you hear like people say, here's these weird and bizarre instructions at my funeral yeah. that I want you to do. I, I've got to come up with something like that, but it's going to take some thought. I will say this last weekend, I was actually at a funeral mm-hmm. where I served margaritas, which was the person who had passed favorite drink and everyone wore Hawaiian shirts because that was their most common yeah. Uh, and it was very touching. It's you know, very it was nice. it was a nice way to uh honor the memory. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that, like for me, I get probably flannels. Mm. Um everyone wears <laughs> flannels to my funeral would probably be very appropriate yeah. and drinks bourbon. But I also I don't have anything planned along those lines in particular. My family has a tradition where we have a funeral and then 30 days later we have a party mm-hmm. in the person's memory. Yeah, that's nice. And those tend to be when that kind of stuff would happen. The funerals tend to be a bit more somber. Mm -hmm. But then the parties are like, everyone's had enough time where everyone's like having a drink and sharing their favorite memories and stuff. And it's truly like a celebration of life. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously very sad, but it's also very fun. And it, and I have a lot of very fond memories of a lot of people in my life who've passed because of those parties. Yeah. Yeah. So that's nice. 
Yeah. So yeah, uh, listener, if you have any weird funeral requests <laughs> that you want to share with us, feel free to send <laughs> us an email at whoareub5 at gmail.com. Uh, we probably won't share them on the air because I don't want to commit to that. Yeah, but I will be fascinated. <laughs> I'm, I'm very fascinated. I do want to know. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Where are we uh, in Delenn, episode? Back to episode. Delenn planned on making this all like a big old mystery. Oh, like, ooh, yeah. the stars took him. A religious mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which just is such a weak, weak half-baked idea in right. my mind. Uh, and she admits that the truth of this will make the rift between the two casts worse. You know, mm-hmm. there's already this rift because the religious caste told them to stop doing war and they didn't want to stop doing war. Yeah. And now she's kind of like caught red handed lying and making a religious mystery. Yeah. So we cut to Nehrun yelling at Delenn for her actions. But Delenn is also chastising him for ignoring Grandma's wishes. Yep. Uh, she plays her nuclear option and threatens Nehrun that the Grey Council will destroy the Star Riders clan. That's bullshit. I was wondering this. She got kicked out of the Grey Council last episode. And this right. is the correct viewing order. I was going to ask actually that. not the original viewing order. Uh-huh. Originally, these episodes, this one came before. Mm-hmm. And JMS was kind of upset about it. But I guess the production on Babylon Squared, they need more time for some of the special effects and stuff. That's fair. So it got switched. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, look, this is supposed to take place after Babylon Squared. It doesn't really matter for the majority of the plot. There's one thing that's a little cheeky if you, if Babylon Squared comes first. Otherwise, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Also, the triluminaries around in Delenn's quarters. Oh, okay. With, with the cones of Dunshire set up. Yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, no, it's supposed to be bullshit because no one would know that she's not on the Great Council anymore. Yeah, I was I was wondering if she was playing a bullshit card or if this was just a thing where it was like, well, this episode actually aired at a different time and, mm-hmm. you know, okay. Well, now we nope. know. It's bullshit. Now we know. Yep, it's she bullshit. It. Nurun accepts this but hates it. He apologizes to Sinclair privately. Uh, mm-hmm. Sinclair offers praise for Bronmer has an enemy uh he's willing to do so publicly as well mm-hmm. and narun is just like that's very big of you actually yeah. um you know like that's that's kind of a big deal thank you yeah and he's just like it's time our people need to put the war behind them our peoples need to heal and we need to talk more that's our sinclair yep yeah you you talk like a mimbari commander he says hope mm. oh. <laughs> uh, narun leaves in peace Lisa decides to work for the Mimbari. Susan and Talia see her off at Space TSA, and then they decide to go for a drink, and that's their meet cute. Did you notice that all of a sudden, Talia has bangs? I did. For the I rest of the episode, no bangs. Yeah. End of episode, weird. bangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a good laugh. Yeah, she went and got a haircut, said she couldn't fight Ivanova out for a drink. Yep. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense, really. The last thing we get, Sinclair wishes Elisa a safe journey as well. And she tells him that she saw the next episode in her mind. Whoa. In Delenn's mind. Sorry, I didn't uh, make yeah. that very clear. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that is, she sees the word chrysalis, you know, and she got very protective. And that is the name of her next episode. Season one, episode 23, chrysalis, with the shortest 
episode description in all of HBO Max. Oh my gosh, what is it? I know we're not quite there yet, but well, let's save it. Let's do our Babylons first. Oh, it's, it's literally one sentence. Oh, so. okay. Uh, Garibaldi is wounded trying to prevent an assassination. That's it. Oh, I don't. That's all we get. I don't, I don't really remember that. <laughs> Me either. I don't, I didn't remember this episode either, to be quite yeah. honest. Like. I did. All of it was very, I thought like maybe I remembered the telepath stuff. Maybe. I remembered the bit with the body. Yeah. Uh, that, that was all oh, over my, my head. last watch through. But I also have watched this series significantly more recently. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, Jafar, how many Babylons do you give this episode? Two. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Delenn's plot is half-baked. Uh, hmm. Naroon, I would say, is acting out of character, but we don't really know his character that well yet. Um, right. Right. But he's also he's kind of all over the place with what humans and what Mimbari can and can't do. Yeah, it and his expectations like are really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's just alien. Even mm-hmm. it's just bizarre. Yeah, I there's just so many jumps and gaps in this episode. I was not particularly fond of it. I'm gonna give this one a Babylon two as well. You know, I think that the lore was important, but the execution was so strange. I feel like this is an episode that would have benefited from being two episodes in some way. Like if we could have figured out how to stretch it out or, you mm-hmm. know, p- put these plots in somewhere else. I felt like S- Sinclair and Delenn both acted really out of character. I don't think yeah. Delenn is that thoughtless. You know, I don't Agreed. think I don't think she would have put the humans in as much danger as she did in this episode and there were just important points for the plot that that weren't addressed in the dialogue that we talked about yeah the whole thing felt rushed for me and i was just like it's like and maybe it's just maybe part of it's just me because i'm wanting to rush through and get through the end of the season Mm because you know we we have exciting things coming for us in season two but you know it just it went too fast and didn't make a lot of sense and leaped from point a to point b or point A to point C okay All right. well we already talked about next week's episode yeah we'll just go ahead and thank Jeremy Siegel for our theme song you can find more of his music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com thank you to Angry Deck Time Machine on Instagram for our uh, podcast art and if you want to you might still be able to get your thoughts in uh, if you email them to us at whoareub5 at gmail.com we are looking Mm -hmm. for your thoughts about season one and what were your favorite moments. So if you're listening to this in, in recording time, real time, get those thoughts into us so we can do a season one recap episode. We actually got an email about that while we were recording. Did we? Oh, yay! Yay. I'm so glad someone has thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) So get them into us. And then in a couple of weeks, when we do our season one recap, we'll discuss those with the greater audience. Have a great week, everyone. Yep. See you, Internet. Bye.